Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. We try to back the blue here, we really do, but the actions of some police officers regarding the Wuhan virus pandemic has been, well, atrocious. And Kim Bexty joins me to discuss a disturbing story regarding Calgary police harassing newly landed immigrants for, well, really no reason whatsoever. And Sheila Gunn-Reed shall be joining me as well, discussing the ongoing harassment the owner of an archery shop is receiving from nitpicking bylaw officers. His crime? He simply just wants to make a living. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about my latest visit to the Toronto Radisson Hotel that is apparently illegally detaining people against their will. The good news, at least Toronto police didn't charge me with trespassing this time around. Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. Kim Bexley for Rebel News in Calgary, Alberta with a story that you're not going to believe. Well, actually you might because it involves the Calgary Police Service. They are the kind of police officers that beat their dogs and threatened to tase kids while they're skating on a hockey rink. And now they are threatening immigrant men and women, asking them to take off their clothes in the middle of the night in back alleys when it's minus 30 degrees outside, if you can believe it. There was an immigrant support group that was taking place at a residence in Calgary. There was a new family from Poland that was meeting with another immigrant family from Poland. One set of them was Canadian citizens, the other permanent residents, and they were sort of figuring stuff out. This is totally legal. This is allowed. It's actually an exemption under the Alberta rules. Now, when the police came, very late at night, they started banging on the windows. They started yelling and shouting, telling these Polish people that they must immediately comply. The Polish people, obviously, hardly speaking English, didn't know what was going on. So they started banging on the door very hard, and we... We didn't feel like uh, opening a door because we 
we were scared of, of, of the noise. We didn't expect anyone else in the house. Um, and then uh, they were kept banging, kept banging on the wall, on the uh, walls, on the on the windows, on the door, and then start sending me a text messages from a private number. All they knew was that people were banging on their door in the middle of the night. Pretty horrifying, isn't it? So one of the Polish couples left the house. They went out the back door to leave, and the police, well, they nabbed them right there and started demanding that they derobe, take off their jackets. They wanted to identify exactly who these people were. It's pretty horrifying stuff. Of course, tickets were issued to those people who left, but the people inside the house, well, they just kept not complying. And uh, when they uh, were talking to us, they surround us and uh, they said, uh, basically, uh, you need to take off your clothes. I just want to see what uh, T-shirt you're wearing. For the whole week, they were texting them from a private number, threatening messages. You can see them right here. It's pretty horrifying stuff, but it didn't stop there. The police officers started calling the employers of these Polish immigrants, asking for a location. Of course, the employers were kind of scared, wondering why their employee was involved with the law. A couple of days after, they actually called my employer, my wife's employer. At that point, I, I, I thought, okay, that's, that's getting a little bit hot here. And so I contact Rebel News and... These are immigrant men and women. They hardly speak English, and the police have resorted to harassing them and embarrassing them in front of their only source of income. For what? Because they're too proud to admit that they were wrong? And it didn't just stop there, of course. Instead of just harassing the man's employer, they called the wife's employer. Over and over again, they harassed them in different ways, intimidated them in different ways, and it all came to a head when they reached out to me to explain what was going on. They shared me the text messages, and just at that point, I couldn't believe what I was reading. I couldn't believe that the officers of my city were acting in this way to an immigrant family. It was unbelievable to me. Well, it's all coming to a head right now. It's eight in the morning, and I'm standing outside of their house. The police have arranged through our lawyers, which we've provided, that they are going to meet up at 8 a.m. here so that they can serve a ticket that they believe this immigrant family deserves for organizing a support group in their home, which, by the way, is totally legal. Hi there, how are you today? Yeah, are you Ted? No, no, I'm not. I'm here doing a story on what you're doing. I'm curious, are you the officer that was here that night? Yeah, so you're going to hang tight because we're not here to do your stuff. We're here to talk to them. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Yep. And I'm, I'm so here to, I'm and I'm here to, to talk to you. Great, so I'm going to let you know once. Sure. If you don't back off and let us serve the tickets that we're here to serve, you're going to have a problem. No, I, I'm not going to have a problem because I'm actually media. I'm, 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 you don't I'm have a journalist. To what we're doing right I'm not obstructing you. You can see you chat right on camera. You could walk back. right there. Okay. You could walk up there if you'd like. And I'm going to follow you so that I can document what you're doing. Are you the officer that asked one of these immigrant men to take off their jacket in minus 30 weather so that you could, I like, look at the clothes that he was wearing underneath the jacket? Was that you? Was that was that you? I'll ask you once more to back up. Was that you? Back up. Off the steps. No, this, I'm, I'm allowed to be on this property. You are not allowed to obstruct us. I'm not obstructing you. I'm not obstructing you. you. You're in front of the door. Right now would be obstructing that. I'm not intervening. Interview. Interviewing is obstructing you? While we're trying to serve a ticket? Absolutely. I'll keep asking you questions if you don't mind. I do mind. So I, I, well, I, 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 I don't mind, actually, so... Is it you that's been texting these people? Do you find that a little bit unprofessional? Is it common for you to text people, threatening them, shining flashlights in their window? Like there's some sort of rats that need to be dealt with? 
intimidating the wife's employer. Was that you that called the wife's employer? Well, there you have it, folks. Thanks to the efforts of Calgary's finest, obviously all serious crimes such as murder and sexual assault and robbery have been eliminated in Cowtown. And that means Calgary police officers, well, they have to find something to do in the meantime, uh, like pulling, putting out, pulling out their tasers on a kid skating at a park or, as you just saw, harassing, yes, harassing, because there's no other word for it, some recent immigrants to Canada for the egregious crime of, well, actually, what crime was committed? And joining me now to discuss this is none other than Kian Bexty himself. So, Kian, so many angles to pursue here, but as I alluded to in the introduction, I'm having a hell of a time here figuring out what crime was being committed here in the first place. What gives? Yeah, that's a great question, David. Uh, the police showed up at these folks' Uh, home very late at night. They were having a support group meeting, which is something that's allowed in Alberta. It's a the immigrant support group. There's, you know, there's support groups for everything from uh, dealing with addiction to coming to a new country. And these people were dealing with that. Uh, and the police, they weren't too happy about that. And they surrounded the property, shone flashlights in the building, uh, screamed and yelled at these people, demanding them they come out of their home. And of course, these immigrants, they were terrified. They grew up in communist uh, Poland. They know what the police can do and what they're capable of. And showing up late at night is something that they actually fled Poland for. Well, I suppose that's not going on in Poland right now, but they, they know what's going on and, and they're scared of it. So uh, naturally, they stayed inside. They, they weren't even sure if they were police officers. If you were uh, about to have your home invaded, I'm sure that people would uh, would easily... Uh, poses a police officer to get you to open your door. They were scared, uh, needless to say. And the police, uh, they weren't taking that for an answer. So when they uh, waited for a few, for quite some time, the immigrants were leaving the support group to their car uh, and they were in an alleyway behind the house and the police surrounded them and demanded that they take off their winter clothing for some sort of ID check. I'm not sure what the specifics were on that or why. Uh, and keep in mind, this it was minus 30 that night. Oh. And uh, to a Polish immigrant who hardly spoke English, they said, take off your winter jacket, which I think is just a horrendous thing to do to anyone, much less someone who's not a criminal by any sort of uh, definition of the word. So it's a a pretty sad story, frustrating story. And I'm glad I was able to be on the scene when the police came back later that week to uh, do their dirty work. Oh, and they did themselves no favor in regard to how they uh, converse with you, Kian. It was, it was actually embarrassing on their behalf. You know, tell me, Kian, usually this kind of a story, when we look at the storylines here, uh, innocent immigrants just trying to get ahead in a new country, police using intimidation tactics, flashlights coming late at night. Usually yep. the left and the mainstream media lose their minds over oh, this. Da- but da- David, it's because, and this is easy, they weren't, they weren't black. They were. They. This isn't a BLM issue, right? These were white immigrants, uh, and they were from Poland. So they aren't under that purview of BLM and this, this, this righteous or not, this movement that we've been seeing over the past year uh, to have, you know, police brutality and the overreach of, of police looked at critically. And I think that's an important thing to do, regardless of race. It's really important for police to understand that they're there to serve us, not there to harass. 
beat and intimidate us, regardless of your skin color. But for the left, they don't care about this case because they were white. And it's really sad that this is being looked at from a racial lens uh, from them. They pick and choose. They cherry pick what they want to look at. And it's really a shame because these people are just as deserving of a safe place to live uh, in Canada as anyone else. You know, Kian, they must be questioning their destination in terms of starting a new life in a new country. Um, you know, when I go out to a lot of these anti-lockdown protests, usually it's the people from the former Soviet Union, the former Eastern Bloc yeah. nations that are absolutely the most passionate about what's going on right now, the eclipsing of our charter rights and liberties and freedoms. And totally. it's because they or their, their, their families have lived through it. They see how it begins. It's not a happy ending. And so when they see this kind of nonsense going on, they've committed no crime, and yet they're getting harassed by police, um, they must be really questioning why they came to Canada in the first place. You know, David, you're totally right. And they said this exactly to me. Uh, they asked me as a reporter, they actually not as a reporter, they asked me as a Canadian citizen, because uh, these are people who are permanent residents right now, uh, and they're determining whether or not they should continue on their path to citizenship. And they said, is this, is it, is, is it like this here all the time, Kian? Should we, like, are we better off in Poland? And I didn't know what wow. to tell them. I, like, they, they actually might be. If we, if we continue on this trend that we're trending on in Canada, where our rights are being trampled, uh, whether you're immigrant or not, uh, maybe Canada isn't the place that so many people in the world think it is. Unbelievable. And i got to ask you this question too, Kian, because we've seen so much bad policing coming out of Calgary. Um, the Ocean Weisblad uh, incident was absolutely despicable, the way those two female officers uh, acted, pulling their tasers, using all kinds of foul language, physically assaulting him. We've seen this. We've seen what happens with the street preacher. I'm just wondering, do you detect a problem with the police force. Usually when you look at good police forces and bad ones, it's all about the culture in the police force. And mm -hmm. if you've got a rotten one, well, it, it just continues to function that way. What is your take, Kian, on the kind of policing we're seeing coming out of Calgary, especially right now uh, during the Wuhan virus days? You know, I always, when I was growing up, I always thought, that I would always be pro-police, mm. pro the people who keep us safe, um, whether it was in Calgary or rurally with the RCMP, um, from Vancouver to Montreal, I thought we could trust the police forces in the respective jurisdictions here in Canada. And it's turning out to not be the case. It's a total mixed bag when it comes to uh, the police here in this country. And it's, it's never been illustrated better than when they've been given absolute power by the likes of Justin Trudeau, John Tory, Mayor Nenshi. Uh, and it's sad, to, it's sad to watch them lose the trust of the people because they operate off of this sort of assumption that they're acting in good faith and, and, and the people of the, their jurisdictions will give them the benefit of the doubt most of the time, unless they're criminals, of course. Uh, and they've, they've lost that benefit of the doubt because of the behavior of several of their members here in Calgary and many more across the country. Uh, I think that there's great police officers and I want to stand behind them. I back the blue, but I can't back this blue that is harassing people just because they think they can get away with it.
I think that's well said, uh, Keenan. I think we at Rebel, we do back the blue, but so many police officers across Canada right now are making it increasingly hard for us to back the blue when we see them uh, doing such egregious acts. And we'll leave it on this note. Th that was disturbing, that anecdote you mentioned, where they had taken off their winter layers, so they're reduced to a T-shirt in minus 30. In what yeah. policing procedural manual is, uh, I guess, a quasi-strip search authorized in frigid conditions like that. I, I can't make sense of that, Kian. Well, they, they didn't have a warrant. Uh, I mean, if they had a warrant to take off your jacket, then, you know, maybe they'd have to take off their jacket. But this individual complied with the police officer. Uh, and in that compliance, uh, the police officer was then able to issue them a ticket because they were wearing the right colored shirt. He had absolutely no obligation to remove his jacket for the police officer. And if he didn't, the police officer might not have been able to issue him the ticket, even though the ticket, of course, is going to be thrown out because they didn't break the law in the first place. But the police officer, through harassment, through this intimidation tactic, through... A humiliation almost right yeah. like this it, it's humiliating to be stripped in the cold when you don't even speak the language it's it, it was humiliating and the police officer knew what he was doing and the immigrant didn't the immigrant didn't know what his rights were the police officer knew he was overstepping this is this is completely unacceptable in this country it was unacceptable and it was egregious and i just want to say to you ken uh, good for you for standing up and not being intimidated by that cop who was clearly trying to uh, use his bully act on you, but you weren't buying it and you stood your ground and good for you. And uh, that was a great report. So you have a great Thanks, weekend, my friend then. You too. Okay then. And that was Ian Bexty in Calgary. Keep it here folks, more of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Okay, well, so I guess. No one was wearing a mask. Yeah, that's... Up, people were at the line. Fire. I'm just assuming that you everybody said, has... You said that the, just one second. You said that the bows were all being serviced. I just spoke to his family. These three bows, they don't belong to them. No, they belong they're to just, me. They're just here shooting yeah. for fun. Yeah, well, that's to see if they like on. it, to see if they're going to buy stuff. Okay. Do you remember receiving a $1,200 ticket by mail? All the business, well, are you the owner of the business? I am. Okay, you'll get receiving that by mail. Um, I genuinely don't believe that you're taking the necessary precautions in the public health act. I don't believe this would give you six feet if you can't wear a mask because you feel it's extra, like strenuous work. It's you dangerous. Have to be, you have to be it, it's it's not strenuous. It's dangerous. Okay. So, so just because no one is wearing masks, we would need some sort of partition. Or okay. who, I do, would go every who do I send the bill to then? Uh, so if you choose to open, that would be on. No, but stay. it's not that I choose no. to open. It's you choose to close me. Yeah. There are. So who do I send the bill to? So I don't know, but there because are funds from the government for some additional services. The great thing is I'm not eligible for anything. Okay. Okay. So by you coming in here and doing this, uh, you're shutting me down. I'm, I'm going to lose. shutting you down. Yeah, you are. You are. Because this, this is 80% of my business right now is the lanes. Okay. Okay. Because so if you're shutting this down, you're shutting me down. I might as well just close everything up, go home, get rid of the house, get rid of my car, get rid of everything. Again, read for Rebel News, and I'm back here at Wild Archery Pro Shop and Lanes in Edmonton with owner Justin Watson. And we met Justin last week when he defied the lockdown restrictions and told us the story of how he decided to open up his archery lanes to people like me who want to practice our skill and maintain our 
hunting form um, for longer than just the uh, three weeks of the year we sit in a tree stand and get disappointed. Um, Justin, since I talked to you last, you've received what I would call a bit of harassment from Alberta Health Services and by law enforcement. Yep. I will send you the two signs that they're asking, we're asking individuals to put up for COVID. Uh -huh. um, so I'll just go through, are you like, are you the only staff that yep. you have employees? Okay. What are you guys using for cleaning and disinfecting of services? I will show you. Okay, so you're using the cavi wipes. Perfect. Yep. And I think these have a two or a one minute contact time. Uh, I think those are a two. Okay, I yeah, know these are perfect. Um, I'm just going to check the date. Uh, yeah, you're good till December. Did you ever think you'd see such a thing in our lifetimes, folks? Agents of the state visiting mom pa shops, harassing them for having the utter temerity to try and make a living? Well, seeing is believing, I suppose, but while we want to back the blue, we really do, the behavior of some law enforcement and quasi-law enforcement in Canada these days is increasingly making me ill. And with more on the ongoing saga of the state clamping down on the private sector is our very own Sheila, the she-devil gun read, live and in person. You're not in the northern hinterland of Alberta, thank goodness, Sheila. No, I came into a big snowstorm, but it was still 30 <laughs> degrees warmer than it was at home, and I was like, where's my flip-flops? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think I got some tanning butter in the yeah. locker there. But, you know, Sheila, we ended the clip uh, with, and I couldn't believe what I was watching in terms of the utter degree of pettiness. Yep. But it was the female bylaw officer actually checking the best before date of the, uh, I guess they were sanitizing wipes or yeah. something like that. Uh, I, is this for real? I mean, like, I, I can't believe they would go, they would stoop that low to find something to hang some sort of a fine on this guy. Well, and this is the thing about the lockdown is we hear all these stories about just how petty and bad and heavy-handed these quasi-law enforcement officials are, these health bureaucrats who are now suddenly policing all aspects of our lives. We hear how bad the stories are. We don't often see it firsthand. Yeah. And for Justin Watson at uh, Wild Archery to capture that and then publish it, um, it was, this pandemic is creating a lot of citizen journalists. Yes. Uh, where people are realizing this is so crazy People will not believe my story if I tell it. I have to show them. Oh, you do. And, you know, it also, again, Sheila, makes a mockery of the so-called science behind yeah. the Wuhan virus. That, we keep hearing that from every level, every political stripe of government. Well, you know, folks, if it was up to us, we'd let everybody open. But according to the science, so the science here is a few people can't come into this archery facility because that's going to be the, the birthing ground of modern-day typhoid Marys. But um, just a couple of weeks ago in uh, beautiful Tampa, Florida, you had basically almost half the stadium with fans in the stands for the Super Bowl. But that's okay? I mean, can you explain how the science is so selective? Well, and, and it's funny because the science apparently changes from jurisdiction to jurisdiction <laughs> yes. based on who's in power. So uh, 
the coronavirus is less deadly in Florida, where there's a freedom-minded Republican in charge, <laughs> yes. and somehow it's, you know, uh, more dangerous once you get to New York, where there's a governor who apparently shipped uh, sick people off to nursing homes. Yeah. Um, the virus seems to break down political lines, but the enforcement doesn't make any sense. So for Justin and his archery shop, he told me that between the bylaw officers and the health officials that came into his archery shop that day, that, w that was more people than had been in there the whole day. And she's busy checking the ex expiration dates <laughs> on, on the sanitary wipes or whatever. And then, you know, they ask for his business card and he goes to give it to them. And he goes, oh, oh, oh careful, you're going <laughs> to get COVID from me. Because even they know the rules are stupid. They can't follow the yeah, rules. Yeah. You know, and, and tell me uh, a little bit about Justin. I think uh, it was alluded to in your video, um, Sheila. He's in a corner. He is desperate. He doesn't qualify, I understand, right. for some of these handouts that the Justin Trudeau liberals are giving Canadians just to sit home and do nothing. He needs to put you know, the bread on the table yeah. and the way he does it is by operating his business. So uh, how is it that he is in that situation in the first place? Because it looks to me that the government is picking and choosing who they're going to compensate. Right. So for Justin, the majority of the money that his business makes comes from the archery lanes. He yeah. says like 75 to 80 percent comes from the archery lanes, which makes perfect sense that he had prior to the pandemic invested so much money into the space there because you need to have an indoor archery range yeah. you need a massive amount of space and on the other side he has this small retail space which is you know a place where you can shop and make some impulse buys while you're waiting for a lane to open up or you want your bow tuned or whatever it really wasn't the bulk of his business but the archery lanes are not qualifying for any help and you know to watch the video that justin recorded where the health inspector saying, well, I feel you. I haven't been able to go to the gym. I feel the predicament that you're <laughs> in. And Justin's like, you haven't missed a day's wages. No. I'm sorry that you can't go on the treadmill that 50 other people went on that day, but I stand to lose everything. And, you know, just to hear the fake empathy, I get why Justin was pretty upset with those people. Oh, and you know what? That brings us to what I think is the biggest lie since um, mm. the two previous biggest lies, which are the check is in the mail and hi, I'm from the government, I'm here to help you. And that is, Sheila, uh, it's been going for about a year now. We are all in this together. No, we're not. This guy, like thousands of others who have gone out of business, as in permanently out of business, they are paying the penalty of the government uh, putting capitalism into a leg hold trap. Yeah. But the public sector, Sheila, has anyone lost a job? Has anyone had their wages clawed back? Has anyone had a reduction in hours? No, it's business as yeah. usual. So um, to see that kind of statement, I get it. This is coming from somebody who is gainfully employed as a bylaw officer. Well, and in Alberta, in some instances, it's even worse. We just recently saw our provincial government that alleges to me that they're conservative say we're going to basically offer a top-up, a bonus to basically essential public sector workers, a $1,200 top-up. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm helping people fight $1,200 tickets. 
because they want to work. They don't want a handout, they don't want a top up, they don't want anything like that. They want to be able to work. They're getting a $1,200 bill and these bureaucrats who've already not lost a day in wages, they're getting a $1,200 raise. Raise, And that's really been the story of this pandemic. The people uh. who have never lost a penny are the ones advocating for it to go on and on and on. And the people who stand to lose everything or are getting slapped with fines, they're the ones being punished in all of this. You know, and it's the other chutzpah. I mean, when I was filling in last week uh, for Ezra's show, my monologue was about how the teachers unions here in Ontario yeah. are saying, uh, contrary to what the province wants to do, which is cancel March break, because there's so much time they yeah. need to make up. They're going, no, the teachers are burnt out. We can't cancel March break. Besides, it's right there in the contract, sucker, read it. Yeah. You know, if you cancel March break, we need days in lieu of March break. So again, there's zero sacrifice. And by the way, most of these schools have been closed since prior to Christmas. Yeah. What do you mean the teachers have been burnt out? So um, I just want to say, Sheila, um, thank you for uh, doing such great work in Alberta. Um, the Whistle Stop Cafe, this archery place, there's so many that you've gone to bat for. And Alberta is one of the freer provinces yep. in Canada. And I think um, the moral of the story or the uh, parting shot here is for any entrepreneurs, right, that are being harassed by bylaw yep. or law enforcement, take out your cell phone, start recording. Yep. You have you're not obligated to put it away even if they falsely tell you not to film them film everything because so much of it is really unbelievable isn't it Sheila sure and going back to your whole we're all in this together thing yeah. we are all in this together but I would exclude the bureaucrats from all of that and the government workers from all of that <laughs> in that it started in Alberta with a restaurant rebellion and mm. it was one guy and then everybody popped up around him yeah. and then it was the beef companies that were dropping off beef. And then it was the customers that were patronizing. Mm. And so we were all in this together. It just had nothing to do with the government. We rallied around one guy and then we helped open up an entire industry and everybody came to support. So when the government says we're all in this together, you say, no, we're in this together. Yeah, You're over there. You're over there. And, and also please um, forgive me uh, for taking off to, oh, I don't know, Hawaii or St. Bart's. <laughs> yeah. While we're telling you, don't even get in your car unless it's absolutely necessary. It's mind boggling. Sheila, fantastic report Thank you. as always. And there you have it. Sheila Gunn-Reed live and in person. And I'm very, very happy about that. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. That facility is a federal. It is a federal quarantine facility, and you've been cautioned now not to enter the premises of that federal quarantine facility. We back the blue, but this kind of intimidation going to my personal residence to give me this bogus trespass ticket—it's making it increasingly hard for us to do, sir. Where did you fly in from? Oh, we got another one. You came from Mexico. Well, nice talking to you. Here's my friend. She wants to talk to you. Okay, give me information. We'll have enough. Hello. Have a negative test before you return. So, why do you, why are you quarantining? Emphasis. We live in Canada. We live in a free country. I have just spoken to two
David Menzies for Rebel News here in Toronto. Well, folks, I'm back at the infamous Radisson Airport Hotel on Dixon Road. We have some protesters congregating, and compared to our visit here last Thursday, there are a few subtle differences. For one thing, there is now a rope here, and here on this pylon, here's something new, private property, no trespassing. Well, as the saying goes, now you tell me, because folks, as you may know from a previous video, the Toronto police came to my house yesterday. Um, I don't even live in Toronto, and two police officers paid a second visit to my humble little home in Richmond Hill to serve me with a trespassing ticket. And as I pointed out in the video, um, this to me looks like a hotel open to the public. Um, you know our first visit here in January, we were told by somebody at the hotel called Jamie. Uh, it's closed for construction. Closed for construction? I see people in the windows. Okay. I don't know what to tell you. Clearly, it is not closed to the public, but um, the question arises, why would you trespass me for committing, I don't know, the egregious act of practicing journalism. But that's how they roll in John Tory's uh, Toronto. So at least now they've um, done a little uh, MacGyver here of bolting a private property, no trespassing sign, but it sure wasn't there last week and we have the video footage to prove it. So I would imagine that um, in any moment there'll be police. In fact, I think those might be the police that showed up to my house yesterday. They were driving a black Dodge Caravan, which I, I guess I should be grateful. One of the vehicles that came last week was a Ford F-250 Super Duty pickup truck. Uh, why would the police need that? Or maybe they tow around the mounted unit. You'd need a truck like that. Here we have uh, Paladin Security, or as I like to call them, uh, Mayor Patrick Brown's uh, Praetorian Guard. These guys are usually in Brampton um, guarding the hockey rinks where Mayor Brown and his buddies from Barrie uh, illegally play hockey. Um, so yeah, once again, folks, <laughs> your tax dollars are hard at work. Well, what a difference a week makes when it comes to the Radisson Hotel near the Toronto airport. For starters, there is new signage warning away the riffraff that this hotel is no longer open to the public, unless you are a member of the public being held there against your will, that is. Oh, and finally, some confirmation from police that this is indeed a federal quarantine facility. We're still waiting to have our queries answered by the Public Health Agency of Canada regarding this hotel, but apparently the PHAC has enlisted members of the Toronto Police Service to do, the, to do their public relations work for them when they're not writing trespassing tickets to journalists, that is. My only regret upon revisiting the Radisson was not bumping into Jamie. I really wanted to ask him how the construction was coming along. <laughs> Unbelievable. In any event, here's what you had to say about this government-run quarantine facility in Toronto. GD Com writes, quote, fear is a government's greatest weapon. With it, they can convince a people that they need to abandon their freedom. In exchange, they get safety. Of course, you just trade one monster for another, but by the time the people realize this, it is too late, end quote.
Victor Methos. Doesn't that quote absolutely nail it, folks? Best-selling author Victor Methos, by the way, immigrated to the United States from Kabul, Afghanistan at the age of nine. I imagine living in Afghanistan gave Mr. Methos a crash course on what it is like to be under the thumb of tyranny. Christian Green writes, if they tested negative twice, why are they still in this hotel? You know, great question, Christine. Unfortunately, nobody in Ottawa will give us an answer. Wes Sprout writes, Radisson Hospitality is majority owned by Jinjiang International's holding company, which is ultimately owned by an entity of the government of the People's Republic of China. You are correct, Wes, and talk about perverse irony, eh, folks? It was China that unleashed this virus upon the world a year ago, causing untold trillions of economic damage. And now it is China making out like bandits by taking federal government money, a.k.a. tax dollars, to incarcerate Canadians returning to Canada. <laughs> and somebody once said, crime does not pay. Frog Fur Fighting Against Trudeau writes, Rebel News Fighting for Patriotic Canadians. Well, thank you, Frog Fur. You know, I don't know if we're fighting for patriotic Canadians or simply just covering the news. But when it comes to Canada's quarantine hotels, it looks like the mainstream media is sitting this one out. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Kurt Barlow writes, I know someone who works at a maximum security prison Inmates get one hour recreation time as per law. Are these Canadian citizen inmates getting their one hour rec time as well? Nope, looks like a 24 hour lockdown. You know, that's a great point, Kurt. Not only are they confined to quarters, the windows are sealed shut and they can't even order in their own food via such services as Uber Eats or DoorDash. And again, the question arises, why? And Hardcore Studios, Voice in the Well, writes, I love that chick sweater. My freedom does not stop when your fear begins. Go hide in a hole, scaredy cats, LOL. That's my stock answer to all COVID nonsense. Yeah, Hardcore, I love that statement too. That chick, by the way, is Stephanie, and she's an absolute delight doing her best to inform the Radisson inmates about their rights. Alas, the way things are going in John Tory's Hogtown these days, I wouldn't be surprised to see Stephanie hauled away in her paddy wagon in the near future, simply for speaking the truth. Because that's how we roll in Canada when it comes to those espousing contrarian opinions regarding the Wuhan virus. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.